Hello and welcome to Counsel from Above, your place to ask a counselor a question that you wish he would answer from God's Word. Welcome to the program. Glad to have you. My name is Nathan Honeycutt, licensed professional counselor, minister of the Church of Christ, your host, and an opportunity today to continue our thinking about children and raising as parents our children. Want to make sure you know that we are looking for questions. I am running out. I'm utilizing Facebook most of the time now to get my questions. So if you have questions, use our Facebook page. You can find it at Council From Above Podcast Group. You can also send your questions to councilfromabove at gmail.com. I'm shooting out questions every now and then to get some topics and get some direction from you, but I would love to have more questions. If you like the program, send us a message. Share it with other people. Let them know about the program. Let's dive right in. We're thinking today about our children and raising children. The question that I asked, question was, what questions do you wish somebody would ask you about raising teenagers? And this got a lot of response that I thought was pretty interesting. Uh, One question specifically coming from Neil Nicholson, he says, when are they old enough to make their own decisions? (laughs) That's a good question. There's another one that came from Alicia Merritt, and she has, How do you keep them sheltered from an ever-changing world while still allowing them some freedom to make decisions for themselves? I thought these questions were really, really good, and they kind of linked, I think, as far as the answer is concerned. I want to think of Alicia's questions first, and and I appreciate the way she worded that. And that is, how do we keep them sheltered? That's a thought that I think as parents we we take on, I think, from the very beginning. We take on a role of protector. We take on a role of sheltering our children, keeping them from everything, and, and keeping them from harm. And I know that like the first mistake or their first boo-boo or their 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 first dangerous place, it really bothers us as parents. We look at ourselves as failures and, and how we've messed up and how we've done all these things wrong because we didn't keep our child from from injury. Now, the reality is is we can't. Uh, we can't keep them from from injury or from things that are going wrong or or things that are negative or uh, we just can't. life has those things, but it's about teaching our children how to manage those things. How do we uh, help them to be able to navigate the world? And so as the question continues, the question says in this this ever-changing world, and we still allow them some freedoms to make decisions for themselves. Neil's question specifically, when are they old enough to do that? You know, it's important to realize that your job as a parent is to train this child to be an adult Christian child of God and ultimately uh, a, a eternal uh, dweller of in heaven. And, and that's the job of a parent. Sometimes I think we, we get sidetracked when it comes to being parents <clears throat> that it's our job to make decisions or it's our job to, um, to force them or push them or make them go in a certain direction. When in reality, as parents, we're guides. Uh, we're supposed to be the ones that come alongside them, that provide them the the guidance, the strength, the knowledge, the abilities. Sure, there's time, especially in the beginning, in which you're making decisions for them because, let's face it, they can't. But there comes a point, and I think as parents, it's a difficult transition for us 
to start allowing our kids to start making some decisions. And I think the first thing that we do is we find the decisions that don't matter. And I don't, let me see if I explain what I mean. You know, when we have our kids that are young, giving them a chance to make decisions is really important from the beginning. Do you want to wear the yellow shirt or the green shirt? It doesn't matter. Both are clothes, both are modest, both have whatever it might be. But which would you like to wear? Would you like to go the green or the or the yellow one? You know, there, there are things that we can start helping them learn to start making decisions, start making those things. Then as we go from that, we go to, um, you know, many other decisions, brushing our teeth. You know, there comes a point in which we we want them to brush their teeth and we're telling them to brush their teeth. But ultimately, maybe it's time for them to understand why. What's the purpose behind it? Why would Why would they make that decision themselves? That way, whenever you're not there to say, hey, go brush your teeth, they're already making that decision because they know that's important. And so it's about giving the skills, giving knowledge, giving information so that as they grow older, as they become teenagers, they're having the capacity to be able to uh, to see a bigger picture. Now realize, I mean, the human brain does not develop um, instantaneously. Uh, especially when you start thinking about a teenage brain, man, you've got all the hormones and all the stupid stuff going on in their brain that it's hard for them to kind of make some of those decisions. And so what you have to start looking at is what are the principles that are being put in place? What principles are you teaching them? Uh, Are you teaching them the principles of of seeing how this impacts other people, Um, seeing how it impacts themselves down the road or how it impacts them? Are you teaching them the principles of, of making decisions with time versus instantaneously? Because you're challenging and you're going against this thinking of, of impulsivity and instant decisions. Uh, because really, for the most part, we're raising our children in an instantaneous world. Um, you know, we get mad whenever the, the Internet is, is in fast or whenever uh, our streaming starts to buffer. Or, you know, we are, we are an instantaneous society or an instantaneous thinking people. And so because of that, we have to begin to help our children to step kind of away from that for a minute, because if we live our life instantaneous, we're going to make all sorts of stupid decisions. And so it's about teaching them the skills, the knowledge, the understanding of, okay, what are the things that go into this question or this answer or this decision, or what are all the things that should be thought about? And as you do that, you're doing that from a very young age. You're doing that from a when they can start grasping and understanding and start making sense out of there's a bigger decision than just this instantaneous gratification. You want to start putting that in their brain, putting that and giving them them opportunities as early as you can. If you give them this choice and they start going a different direction, then you can start using things like uh, pros and cons, uh, positives and negatives and say, okay, well, let's, let's think about this for a minute. You said X, but let's think about this for a second. And now you're starting to help them see that there's other uh, items that are found within a decision. There's other people that are uh, having to deal with that consequence. Uh, You're building inside them these pathways and brainwaves that are helping them to, uh, as they continue to mature and grow, to be able to gain that. So I don't know that there is an exact age that says, okay, they're old enough to make their own decisions. But I think there certainly is a point that as they become teenagers, you're giving them the skills so that whenever they are uh, in situations where you're not around, 
they're still making a decision based on true thinking and thinking through things and logic and not out of an emotional decision. And so you're wanting to be able to give them some of those opportunities while you're watching so that when you're not watching, they're still making those good decisions. We also reminding our children, no matter whether you're watching or not, God is. And as we present that to be able to say, what, what direction would God want here? What, what direction would God want us to pick here? Uh, where would he want us to be? What would he want us to do in this moment? And so these are all things that I think about. You know, the other thing I, I think about, and the passage is actually, it's, it's by context, doesn't fit what we're talking about. But the reality is, is that if you just kind of re, reword this or rethink this a minute, I think it makes perfect sense. And, and that's the prayer found by Jesus in John chapter 17. Now, I realize that the prayer in John 17 is Jesus praying while up in the upper room, praying for his disciples. Uh, he prays for himself, he prays for disciples, and he prays for you and me. But if you think about it and just kind of remove that for a second and, and just kind of think about what exactly Jesus is saying, it really sounds like a father talking about his kids. And it really sounds like a father talking to God about what he wants for his children. Now, so think about this, starting at verse number nine. This is John 17, verse nine. Think of it for a second as a father talking about his kids to God. I am praying for them, not for the world. I am praying for these men you have given me because they belong to you. Everything that is mine is yours. Everything that is yours is mine too. In them I have received glory. I am not in the, in the world anymore, but my apostles are in the world. I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given to them. May they be united as we are. When I was with them, I was always keeping them in your name, the name which you have given to me. I have protected them. Not one of them is lost, only the son of destruction. The scripture must be true. Now I am coming to you. I am saying these things in the world so that these men may have my complete joy in them. I have given them your message. The people of the world hates them because they don't come from the world. I am not from this world either. I do not pray that you take them out of the world. Just keep them from the evil one. I don't come from the world. They don't come from the world either. Your message is the truth. May the truth make them holy. I sent them into the world just as you sent me into the world. You start thinking about that. I mean, that sounds like a father is praying to God about his kids. And you'll think about some of the things that Jesus says is he says, I live this life and that's what I wanted to instill in my kids. If you and I want to be able to be good parents, then you and I are making decisions based on the material. You wouldn't want them to make that decision. Oh, I've heard the phrase, do as I say, not as I do. Well, that's worthless. If we're wanting our children to make healthy decisions with their freedom, we have to make healthy decisions with our freedom. Sometimes we have to talk about, this is why I made that decision, or this is the thought process, or these are the things that are bigger than me. Or, and we, we start having that conversation. And as we do that, we're giving that to our kids. And if you think about this passage, it makes it sounds like a father is saying to God, look, I, I don't want to take them out of the world, but God, just keep them from the evil one. Keep, keep them from straying or falling into these temptations. Give them the strength. Give them the knowledge. Give them the courage. Just as we are together, let them be together. And to me, that's exactly what you're finding in this text and passage. 
is you're finding Jesus talking to God about his kids, his apostles, his disciples, in praying that they will make right decisions, that they will do those things according to his will. So I appreciate the two questions. Hopefully that answers them. Uh, this one comes from Shannon Buck. She says, how do you handle attitude? Oh, man. <laughs> I think attitude and uh, teenagers are just kind of like hand in hand. Uh, I, I don't know that you'll ever get away from it. Well, how do you handle it? Well, here's, here's two things to think about. Number one, all behavior makes sense if you understand the context. Number two, all behavior is communicating something. Okay, so number one, all behavior makes sense if you understand the context. When a, someone is acting, behaving, living, and doing, and you want to make sense of it, sit in their seat. What is it they see? What is it they understand? What is it that they've grasped? What information do they know? What information are they putting together to make this particular decision? So when our teenagers giving us attitude, well, well, what is it? What is what is their perspective? What do they see? And then the second thing is is what are they communicating to you? What are they telling you by acting this way? Because it's a communication. It's a purposeful communication. All behavior is done at a purpose. All behavior is done for a reason. All behavior, everything that we do has some sort of meaning or thinking behind it, even if it's a short thinking at the time. What is it that's being communicated? What is it that's being presented? Is it, I want freedom? Is it, you don't know what you're talking about? Is it, I know information that you don't? Is it, I don't know as much as you do? What, what exactly are you seeing them present to you? And as that is presented to you, what is it about that that you are um, trying to get or they're trying to get you to understand? And the more that you look into what are they trying to tell me, the better you're going to be able to communicate with them and to deal with what's happening. If you find your teenager and they're giving you attitude, ask the question, what's the purpose? What's the reason? What is it they're wanting? Is it defiance? Is it they want their cert don't their way? Is it because they don't understand? Is it because they saw other people do it and it was successful? I mean, realize this, that um, teenagers are feeding upon, uh, on other teenagers' behavior. So when they see others give beha behavior like that, they just assume that's what they ought to do. I remember when I was a kid, there was a particular family that I hung out, we hung out with a lot. And as we hung out with them, that they would give their, their mom and dad attitude and they would talk back to them and things like that. Well, I would go home and when I did that, I got smacked in the face or I got whipped. And they were like, you ain't going to talk like that in this house. That's not what's going to happen. Because I saw it in that world, I thought that it would work in this world. And then I was sorely mistaken. When, when our teenager is giving us attitude, we need to be asking, how does this make sense? And what is it they're communicating? Because it may be that they're looking for something that, they're not, that you're not giving them, or they're not understanding something that is there. The often other time that comes along that is what have you allowed up to this point? If, if I allow my child, if I do not discipline my child when they badmouth or talk bad or talk out or rude, whatever it might be, 
if if I do not correct that, then I'm going they're being taught that's an acceptable behavior. And if that's an acceptable behavior, then that will be a behavior that will continue. If you have a behavior such as this attitude that you don't want to see continue, then you provide discipline in order to make that behavior stop. You make it to where that behavior is not cost effective. And so you can do that through whatever form of discipline that you may you may do. But if you're wanting it to stop or wanting you find out number one, what is it, how does it make sense in their world? Do they see other people do it? Have they been accepted? Has it been okay for them to do this? Whatever the case may be. Number two, what is it they're trying to communicate? And number three, what have you been allowing? Is Are they doing this thinking that this is acceptable because you put up with it in the past? Because if you haven't disciplined it, if you haven't corrected it, if you haven't got in the way of it in the past, then they're just expecting this to be able to something that can continue. So it doesn't make sense to them for you to get in the way of it now because it was allowed in the past. You know, you think about uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Fathers, don't push your children to the point of rage. Instead, take care of them using the Lord's warning and discipline. As you use God's message, God's knowledge, God's presentation, how would God want you to approach him? Because we learn oftentimes how to approach our Father in heaven by how we approach our Father on earth. And so this is that way at how would we want them to be, uh, how would God want them to be approaching them, him? And so thus, that's how you would uh, manage it. Uh, I think those three things are probably your best answer uh, in order to be able to manage that. So the third and final question, or fourth and final question, uh, comes from Lyle Summit. It says, how do you keep teens pure from all the over-sexualization in media? Oh, man, we are, we are saturated. I was watching a, uh, a clip the other day of Jordan Peterson, and Jordan was talking about the fact that a teenage boy in a matter of an hour with an electronic device could see more uh, beautiful naked women than Solomon and all of his wives could have in his lifetime. I mean, it's like amazing what technology has done to promote uh, sexuality in our world. Uh, the question becomes, how do you keep them pure from all of that? And I think the answer is is an answer that that starts way early in the in the process. I, I noticed that Nick Martin had had placed a uh, message in the in the chat and said well, you you can't unless you remove all technology from them. Well, I, I think you still have the ability to help our kids be pure because you make sure they understand the bigger picture. You make sure that they understand what God's message is and God's desire is going to be and how God would want them to be uh, raised or move or live. And so as you work with them, you start helping them to want to put safeguards in place to protect their eyes, to protect their knowledge. You help them to find value in uh, keeping themselves pure for their spouse. You, you help them to find value towards God in their uh, physical purity uh, because it is absolutely possible 
for us, though bombarded by these things, to keep our eyes, our uh, thinking, our feeling, our emotions directed in the right place. And that's to God. And that's what God wants from our life. And the more that we help our children build within them this view and understanding that this is what God wants from my life, and this is the life that I would want to live, and this is the life that's worth living, that is going to push them and urge them more and more to live more pure life in the midst of all of this sexualization. Um, it allows them to begin to see their value outside of what the world claims is value. Uh, but there are just so many things that we are getting bombarded with that I think we have to continue increasing our conversations with our kids, knowledge to our children, helping them to see their own value, the value of the body, the value of a marriage, the value of a sexual relationship that is pure. That value is where we spend our time and our energy, uh, much like our podcast when I was talking to Chris McCurley. Um, we have got to get our heads out of the sand and we have, as Christian godly people have to stop acting like this conversation of sexuality is a bad conversation because Satan is overrunning us. And if we don't have that conversation with our kids and we're not upfront about it, we're not doing that though, having those conversations, then there is no doubt in my mind that the world is going to get to them. And so we have to have courage, we have to have strength, we have to have a willingness to say this is what God wants. I mean, let's ask the question. We have a book in the Bible that is directly related to the relationship and sexual relationship between husbands and wife, and it's called the Song of Solomon. Have your kid ever read that? Have you ever sat down with your child to talk about this is what the marriage relationship ought to be like? Have you ever sat down with the book of Proverbs and gone through Solomon's direction about how to pick a good wife or how to pick a husband or how to understand relationships or the importance of, of connection with someone versus sexuality? I mean, have, have, have we actually went into his word and said, hey, this is what God wants us to know and understand? My guess is, is probably not. Well, well, why not? God gave it to us. God said, here's the information you need. Here's, here's how you can grow this. Here's how you can understand. Here's how you can draw closer to me. This is the true purpose. Don't listen to what Satan tells you. Because of that, that helps us to teach our children the right direction. How do we help them be pure? How do we help them stay pure in this world? We help them to know their value in God's eyes and to give to God as Romans chapter 12, verses, verse 1 says, a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's how we stay pure. Man, I sure appreciate the questions and all the things that are there. Uh, Lyle had given another question talking about bullying, and I had another question that's on the emails about bullying. So I'm going to put that and plug that in very soon. Uh, so I'm going to set that one aside, and we're going to capture and talk about that in the future because that's not just a kid thing. Uh, that's an adult thing as well. And so I want to talk about that maybe in a future podcast, but I sure appreciate your attention and being a part of the program. Remember, send me your questions 
is put them on their Facebook page, which is called Counsel from Above Podcast, or send it to me at counselfromabove at gmail.com. Know that we're always here listening to you, wanting to find what your thoughts are. Give us some feedback as we continue this journey, as we continue along the path, as we listen to what God wants, do what God wants, but ultimately have a people and be a people that listen to exactly to what God wants from His counsel from above.